This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. What a week in politics. Theresa May has been travelling up and down the country, preaching the word of her Brexit deal to an increasingly reluctant uh, number of her own MPs. I want to know what you think, what you want to happen next. Are you worried that Parliament's going to overrule the will of the people? Are you hoping that's exactly what they are going to do? Um, What do you make of recent headlines talking about massive lorry queues in Kent, hits to business, rationing of drugs? Do give us a call 03700 100 444 and lest we forget this is the week that for the first time in the history of the House of Commons MPs voted to hold the government in contempt of Parliament for refusing to publish legal advice on Brexit. I would like to know what you make of all of this. We are living in momentous times. Have your say. Uh, I should warn you that the phone lines are pretty much on fire this afternoon. All you want to talk about is Brexit, so let's get straight into it. Stephen Homer, you are our first caller this afternoon. Good afternoon. You're definitely on fire, I should assume. Yeah. (laughs) What did you want to tell us? Well, first off, poor old Theresa May. David Cameron got us into this mess, and if I live long enough, I suspect you'll be the worst prime minister we had this century. The, the, the point, the vote was an advisory vote according to the Act. And now on top of that, we've obviously, we said it's going to be stuck to. We have a representative democracy whereby politicians are paid by us to go away and think cleverly. I'm not saying that politicians are more clever than we are, but I am saying that politicians have got the time and the effort and the resources to work things out. For example, I very much doubt more than 10% of the UK population ever saw there was going to be a problem on the Irish border. I, for one, certainly didn't. Uh, And so we're trying to solve a plebiscite with a parliament, and it it doesn't work like that. The the political parties are split top to bottom Mm. on this issue. So if there's an election tomorrow, who do you vote for if you want to remain? Who do you vote for if you want to leave? So you are are describing the bumpy landscape in which we find ourselves (laughs) right now, Stephen Holman. But now... There are, there are days left before those members of Parliament are going to have to have their say on behalf of us all. What do you want them to say? I want to say, whoops, we made a mistake. We better go away and think about it. There, the only way this solves itself is if there is some sort of united opinion, which cannot be done at the moment based on a party system. The only way it can be done is cutting across the parties, either a government of national unity, and I think I'm probably joking about that, or some testosterone-charged, or estrogen-charged, sorry, um, royal commission that is representative of the voting parties in this, Mm. voting peoples in this situation, who then go and negotiate with Europe on the... on behalf of the whole country. I mean, who would you vote for if there's an election now and you wanted either result? Stay with us. Pat Reid is with us, uh, calling some Glossop in Derbyshire. Hello, Pat. Hello. Hi, Stephen, uh, very much insisting we are not ready for this right now. We are not in in a fit state to be making decisions like this. And he's talking about governments of national unity crossing a, cutting across party lines. What do you want to happen? Uh, I want us to leave. I am old enough to remember when I had my own country making its own laws and we weren't governed by Europe. 
And basically, we knew what we were voting for, despite all the Project Fear things, telling us what dire things would happen, everything from Armageddon to a plague of frogs, we knew what we were voting for. We want to be our own country again, making our own laws. Okay, and when Stephen says, and Stephen's still here, um, that actually he thinks about 10% of people even had Ireland on the mind at the time, and Ireland is one of the biggest stumbling blocks in this negotiation. It is it is almost paralysing political thought right now. Did you think about Ireland ever in your in your desire to leave, Pat? No, because I didn't think that the EU would be petty enough to try to get the tail to wag the dog and frighten us with Ireland. It is not a problem. But they didn't want to leave. Ireland didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay. I thought we lived in a democratic country. It is a majority. The majority voted to leave. It does not matter where they are. If they are part of the population, they are part of the population. And you take what the vote says. Okay. You can't say, oh, well, I didn't want that MP. We're going to have to have another vote. So tell me this. If, if, what, if the choice is between Theresa May's plan or no deal, uh, what, 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 you want to go. So on what terms do you want to go right now? I would be quite happy to leave. No, well, I know you want to leave, but on what terms? Well, I would be quite happy to leave with no deal and sort it out. We would then have a much bigger bargaining platform than we have saying, please, can we have this and then we'll give you that. OK, well, let's, let's go to... Stay, everyone stay with us because this might ping-pong between you, but Christopher Wyke is also with us, Seven Oaks. Uh, hello, Christopher. So Pat's quite content with a no deal leaving. Just we need to get out right now. What do you think? She's absolutely right. I see Brexit as not a problem at all. I see it as the greatest economic opportunity in my lifetime. We are the fifth biggest economy in the world. I personally travel the world selling British products around the world. And the countries I visit, they can't wait until we leave. And they don't see the problem. I was in China just recently. And a businessman said to me, I don't understand. You people have governed yourselves for a thousand years. What are you frightened about? Okay, well, Steve, Steve Homer was our first caller, and Steve, mm. uh, you know, you're, you're hearing two voices here saying, "Look, you know what? I am. To, I they, am. Th- no deal. To hell with all the detail. Let's just d- go, and we'll sort it out later. We will be fine. We are a great nation. We'll be fine." What do you say to these uh, fine people, well, Pat and Christopher, a, who are still I on the line? I have a, a solution for Pat, Christopher and Tim Martin, which is no deal plus. I thought I'd throw something else into the mix, which is you have no deal and then you add bolt-on agreements to that as and, wish, as and well you wish. The problem with, with crashing out is in the detail. It's things like aeroplanes flying, it's like importing goods, it's, it's um, environmental regulation, and the notion that we've been ga- governing ourselves for a long, long time has been... A myth. We are we are a party to countless uh, treaties and agreements with supranational institutions. Uh, and Tim Martin said a couple of things which I couldn't resist writing down. He said that there's only going to be problems at the border with lorries backing up if the government makes them back up. And no, that would be the French government saying, sorry, you haven't got the right paperwork. Mm. And later he said... Why will people have to fill in all these forms when he was talking about import and export forms? I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember before there was the EU. I'm 63 now. So I, I was, I was travelling around, around Europe before we were a member of the European community, community as it then was, and life was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think this, this notion that there is 
there is no problem. Somebody's talking to me just now and saying, all we've got to do is move the laws back to 1974. But that, it all renders me virtually speechless that this seems as a tiny little thing to do. OK, well, listen, thank you, um, all three of you. Um, people are not speechless this afternoon. A lot of you want to have your say. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, also, texts and tweets are, are lighting up here. The people have said they wish to leave. If we now need to vote on how, so be it. But remain should not be on the table as this matter has already been settled by the people, says Andy from the Isle of Wight. Uh, a second referendum is not anti-democratic. It's simply another exercise in democracy, writes another contributor. At a general election, we vote for government. After four years, we look at their record. We vote again to keep them or reject them. Uh, the people's referendum reflects that same principle. Let's take another call on this. Julia Hales is calling us from Bridport in Dorset. Good afternoon, Julia. Good afternoon. Hi, what did you want to say? Well, I just think it's completely maddening, this whole thing about the will of the people, because um, the Scottish had a referendum and um, the SNP lost it. And what have they been doing? They've just been waiting for another time to have another referendum to, um, to, to try again. And if they fail again, they'll have another go. And the Brexiteers would have done exactly the same. There is no way that they would have allowed the, the, the country to accept a Remain vote at that stage. They would have gone on voting and voting and pressurising, pressurising until they got what they wanted. Actually, as it happened, they did win the vote. We've had two years. It's a complete mess what's happened at the end of it. Um, and I think we're all much clearer about what our options are. So we should definitely have another referendum. Let me ask you this. If there is another referendum, you want to, you want to have another say, if there is another referendum and there is a margin which is a slim margin in favour of Remain, because I take it from what you're saying that you are a Remainer. Correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, if... no, I, I, I have become a Remainer. Right, OK, so you've become a Remainer. Were you not a Remainer before? I did vote for Remain, but it took a lot of thinking about it because okay. I can see a lot of problems. Well, tell, tell me this, if it's a narrow margin, if there is another vote, if there is this so-called people's vote and it is a narrow margin, then what? Then what, you well, think that's more a, legitimate it, it, than a narrow margin to leave? If it's, a, if it's a margin to remain, then we have to remain on the same terms as we have now. If we wait and we, we don't manage to uh, get it in in time, we'll never be able to go back with the same good deal that we've got now. Mm. If the vote is to leave, then I think that we should have a question in our referendum which asks people of the three options that are on the table, which ones that they would prefer. And effectively, that should be no deal, Theresa's deal or the Norway option. But do you, do you see that there are leavers who are going to be listening to you saying you are changing the goalposts according to what you want to happen? It's a narrow margin for leave. You don't accept that. You think that is that is not good enough. But if it were a narrow margin to remain, you're quite happy with that, Julia. No, I think it was absolutely... No, I think either way, I think it was absolutely fine at the time. And we've given it a really good go at leaving. And we're now in a terrible mess where everybody is split, government is split. We've seen what we're able able to get what sort of deal and we're much clearer at the time there was almost no right answer mm -hmm. because both both things we were voting in the dark we didn't really know what sort of deal we were able to get i think the brexit brexiteers are largely on cuckoo land the ones that are voting against Theresa's deal because that is likely to be the best deal that they're able to get or no deal which some of them obviously want okay. but i think it's it's completely ridiculous to start going on and on and on saying about the will of the people without actually finding out what is the will of the people now because okay. actually I, I understand from some things that I've read that if we'd had a vote a week later it might well have gone a different way okay. so are we just bound for the rest of eternity by a little moment in time of people voting in the dark OK thank you very much for your call 03700 100 
444. We're going to try and get as many of you on uh, as possible, also reflecting your texts and tweets. This is on Twitter. No deal, says Ed Wilson, does not give us a better bargaining platform. We would be perceived as desperate. Stephanie Mignon says uh, uh, the EU is not being petty. It seems that some voters are still in cake-and-eat-it mode. Uh, Mark Ashbury says the EU referendum was legally only advisory, which means Parliament has the final say and can reverse the result. 51.9% is not the people. It's a slight majority of the 72.2% of the electorate that voted, and it goes on. Let's take more calls on this. Andrew Jones is calling us from Bromyard in Herefordshire. Hello. Hello, Anita. Nice to speak. Very nice to speak to you. What did you want to tell us? Uh, well, I enjoyed uh, being in the audience yesterday um, at the uh, Any Questions event. Um, uh, Theresa May started this whole process saying that uh, no deal is better than a bad deal. And I think if you went up and down the country, you can find a very large consensus now that this is a bad deal being presented to uh, Parliament. And therefore, the logical thing to do is just accept that it's a no deal exit, leave on WTO terms, uh, and just get on with it. Even though... There are dire warnings of what a no-deal exit is going to mean for for business, for... Um, you've seen yeah. quite a lot of the headlines this week about drugs coming into the country and drugs rationing and all that kind of thing. You don't believe in that? Or you say, so be it, we'll go through that bumpy period and we'll come out the other end? Well, of course, we had those dire warnings about what the consequence of just voting to leave in the referendum would be. And none of those dire consequences, to be frank, occurred. But, 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 to, be, but to be equally frank, we haven't left yet. That has not happened yes, yet. Mr Osborne was very clear that just by choosing to leave would immediately plunge uh, the country into chaos and there would be economic ruin. Uh, that never happened. So I called it crying wolf. And they've cried wolf once and they're crying wolf again. Okay. My perspective, I'm an airline pilot and I hear a lot of people, one of your earlier... Uh, callers was talking about, well, airlines won't be able to fly. It's just not the case. It's complete scaremongering. And wh- why do you say it's not the case? On what grounds well, do you say that just simply won't happen? Well, I'm a Brexiteer and I'm British and I work for British Airlines. Mm-hmm. So why would I vote for Brexit if I thought that was going to cripple my employer, jeopardise my job and collapse my company? OK, but where other, other airlines are saying, actually, we will have a problem with this. We are going to have to renegotiate the terms and, and we are going to redesign airspace because of this. What are, they, are they all? I mean, is this kind of an international conspiracy to say this is going to be difficult? We, yeah, sure, we'll try and do it, but it's, it's going to be difficult. It's not so much a conspiracy. The, the status quo suits large established companies because they flourished under the status quo. So they don't really want it to be disturbed. However, I can see there's a great deal of preparation already happened. My company has spent around £10 million uh, preparing the ground so that on the day we leave, if we leave on no deal terms, we can operate completely as we did the day before. Now, that money has been spent, so it's already gone. It's Mm -hmm. a sunk cost. So if we leave on WTO terms... It would it, it's all right. it, it would make any difference. Life any goes on. Okay. So yeah. I, I would just rather get on with it. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. Very interesting, actually. I'd love to know if your companies have been making contingency um, plans, and even if they're not been making contingency plans, and you think that they ought to have been making contingency plans. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. This is from Tanya, who says crashing out of the EU will be a disaster. It will mean dodgy trade deals with faraway dubious regimes, 
ending our food and environment standards. Uh, Dr Sue Roffey says democracy can only be served when people make decisions on good information. This didn't happen in 2016. We much, uh, we ha- now have a much clearer idea of what's happening uh, if we leave Europe. We need a people's vote now. Let's go to Dan Major, who's calling us from Shenfield in Essex. Good afternoon. Hi there, Anita. Hi there, what, Dan. What did you want to say? Um, I'm just really picking up on, on a few of those points and um, particularly Tim Martin's answer to whether or not there should be a referendum or if Parliament was thwarting the will of the people. Um, I find it really chilling uh, how often I hear, um, for lack of a better word, a fat cat millionaire telling me that it would be undemocr- undemocratic for me to now have a vote. Now the realities of Brexit, now the realities of, of what deal that uh, Theresa May has been able to to get from the EU is on the table. Now we've got that reality. Mm. I want now to be able to vote on that reality. I want, more importantly, a proper discussion with uh, my fellow country people and not just of, of England, but Scotland, Ireland and Wales to, to have a full debate, not just about things like trade, but the wider political um, context uh, that Brexit occurred in. Right. Can you, can you um, perhaps answer the point that was raised by one of our callers who said, look, this is just crying wolf, all these dire predictions of what would happen um, if we were to leave on a no-deal WTO basis. We've heard it all before. We heard it out of George Osborne's mouth. He warned this would happen the day after we voted to leave and it didn't. Um, he doesn't believe that there is something terrible around the corner. Why do you believe that there is something terrible around the corner? It wasn't actually so much. I mean, I, I, I do think it would be terrible. Uh, I, I think, it, I think you, you raised exactly the point there that I would raise um, in regard to the one he was making. Um, the predictions of, of what would happen post-referendum uh, if we voted to, to leave, uh, we didn't, as you say, actually, we didn't leave then. We are due to leave on the 29th of March. If we go out on the current um, de- on the deal that Theresa May put forward, then I think that will will damage us because um, we will not have such a strong voice within Europe. We will not be seen as okay. A so but but you want a second referendum, but then I put it to you to, as I put it to somebody else who was saying they wanted a second referendum or a people's vote. Um, what if the margin is narrow again? Then what? Well, my key for a second referendum is that now we do have a deal on the table. As long as that deal is part of the vote then I think it is a much stronger case. So what would the question uh, be? No deal or this deal? Or no deal, this deal and remain? What, what exactly are you wanting people to vote on here? I certainly would like remain back on the table. Mm. I would like uh, the Theresa May deal on the table. I think it would also be fair given that the Leave camp is split down the middle and half of them seem to be arguing for no deal completely, that that should be on the table. Equally, I think we do live in a representative democracy. And I do think that the, the warnings of what will happen if we crash out without a deal are, are so grave that I think if the politicians ad, ad, advise that that shouldn't be on the table, then, um, then I'd, I'd go with that. OK. There's just one other point I'd very quick, quickly like Really to make. briefly, Dan, because I will. there's I will. a lot of people, um, yeah. It's really that in the context of all this, the, the 2016 referendum occurred in the context of being, coming, coming through just after the Paris climate deal was agreed. And now we're hearing of all of the, the, the influences that come in from, from Russia and the US uh, um, investors, billionaires, who are, who are supporting basically undermining governments. Is the political context that I'm most concerned okay. about. Right, Europe Dan. was just reaching, okay. the, just, just reaching the, the forefront of taking action under Paris. OK, all right, the UK Dan. got pulled out. OK, thank you very much. Paul Eden is calling us from Bournemouth. Hello, Paul. 
Hello there. Hello. So, so Dan is desperately worried about leaving with no deal. Are you? No. Why not? I don't feel worried at all. I think if we stayed, we would be tied to the EU. It would be a national humiliation after going so far now. We will feel that we will never again try this. We'll be stuck there in the EU. There was never really a middle way at all. What Britain wants and the EU insists upon are fundamentally incompatible. It's like hot oil and water. They don't mix. Mm. Um, Mr Macron, he recently said that if Britain accepts the Prime Minister's deal, she would never, ever leave the backstop mm-hmm. without without the, the European Union fishing fleet gaining access to British waters. And that is sort of um, attitude of the EU. They will have what they want. They've been allowed to dictate the negotiations, if you can call them that, because it's the EU which has had its way the whole way through. Can I, can I ask you this? Uh, it is believed, and things change so quickly in this scenario, that the majority of MPs in the House of Commons at the moment would not want a no deal. They don't want to crash out. They would like, even those who want to leave would say, actually, no deal is not the optimum uh, situation that we, we want to find ourselves in. And they have access to briefing papers, expert advice, um, they civil servants and all of that kind of thing. And if they are not for it, if they are not for it because they think it is against the national interest, why do you think they are wrong? Because no one knows what costs are involved, short or long term. No one can know that. Um, neither do they. Obviously, a trade deal, an agreement, is necessary, and it will happen after we have left the EU okay. eventually. Okay. It has to happen okay. for the interests of the EU as well as ourselves. OK, so you have every faith it will sort out. Well, thank you very much for your call. Graeme Hewitt is uh, with us, calling from Chimley in Derbyshire. Uh, so Paul says, look, you know, whatever, whatever they say in Westminster, this is what should happen because this is what we voted for. What do you say? Nobody voted for a leap in the dark. Um, it was a botched referendum, uh, and it's up to the MPs to reverse this and actually confess that they made a dreadful mistake and basically get on with uh, trying to mend fences with the European Union. The one thing that is completely insoluble in this is the Northern Ireland border. Trade and, and um, um, just leaving out a deal, yes, we can do that. Uh, where it leaves us is up for debate, one way or the other. I voted to remain, however... You can't seriously argue one way or another where you're going to be in five years' time after you, after you leave with a no deal. We frankly don't know. Uh, but it's completely insoluble regarding the the uh, peace accords in the 1990s, we, um, which is obviously paramount, really. Um, and I, I think for that reason alone, it's become impractical. Mm. And therefore, our MPs and Parliament needs to show a bit of leadership and lead this country in the national interest, whether it's a, a national unity government or, or whatever and is irrelevant but it needs sorting out and they need to sort it out the last thing we need is a divisive referendum which will get us nowhere in all probability uh, it will show more or less the same margins one way or the other and we'll just be 
carry on with this conversation for the next 10 years. Let me just let me just read a couple of emails because uh, I've been neglecting the emails and I apologise for that. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, this, and I'll just get your thoughts on this very briefly. Jack Cox has written saying, if we leave on WTO terms, we face six months of delay at channel ports. We're doomed, doomed. I say doomed. No, I don't think so. Why remain is so obtuse? If we leave on WTO terms, we'll be importing a lot less from the EU through channel ports, a lot more from the rest of the world through other ports such as Bristol and Liverpool. Bring it on, says Jack. Cox, let's trade with other free independent countries that don't try and bully us or tell us what to do. Mary says, 4th of July 1776, the day America crashed out of the British Empire without a deal. Worked out great for them. It will work out great for us too, says Mary. What do you say to them, Graham? Well, it took the Americans well over 100 years to sort out their own country. Well over 100 years. Um, and I don't think we want to uh, want to see chaos in 100 days, let alone 100 years. Okay, great. In terms of ports, in terms of ports, um, you're talking about Liverpool, etc. You're talking about Atlantic-facing ports. We still use, uh, our main port is actually Immingham, um, on the on the east coast. Uh, it's not Dover, um, and we, we simply haven't made any preparations for for anything um, of this nature. Do you, do you know much about the the port authority? I mean, I just wonder what you do because uh, yeah, naming. No, that I'm, port... I don't. I don't okay. know, but I, right. I do know we okay. import more stuff through, through the east coast than we do anywhere else. Graham, thank uh, you very much. Liverpool, Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool is a very successful city on mm-hmm. the basis of the cotton trade uh, mm-hmm. with America. Okay, that doesn't happen anymore. Graham, thank you so much. Elizabeth Lewis, uh, thank you. Mark from North West London, thank you very much for holding. Diana Brass will be with you in a moment. Elizabeth, first of all, you calling us from Saxmundham in Suffolk. What did you want to say? I want to say that I actually don't think a no deal is going to be the complete tragedy that everybody makes it out to be. I think Michael Howard had a very, very good suggestion, and I think that could work. Tell me uh, why that would work. Well, he said, yes, no deal. We'll take no deal. But we'll have 12 months in which to negotiate other deals. Now, if Liam Fox has been doing his job correctly, mm. there should be deals lined up, not um, ready to go, if you like. Mm. He must have talked to other countries and he must have got the suggestion of deals. Okay, so, so, so immediately implemented. Right, so, so what about any, and we've heard this said um, on this programme in weeks gone by, we've had two years to, to, to get into a fit position. Yes. Fit to leave now, two years. So if we haven't been able to produce these rabbits out of hats in two years, what makes you think 12 months is going to make the difference? We haven't been allowed to under the EU. We, we, haven't, be, we haven't been allowed to, actually. But his job was to work out trade deals that could be possible when we leave. Mm-hmm. That was his job. Mm-hmm. OK, all right, um, Elizabeth. And Michael yeah. Howard has made a very good suggestion and a very generous suggestion mm-hmm. that we allowed EU products to come in with no tariffs at all. Mm-hmm. And they would reciprocate in kind. Elizabeth, thank you. Mark, calling us from Northwest London. Hello. Uh, hello. Um, just very briefly, um, we've heard a lot, obviously, about the uh, honouring, respecting, accepting the result of the referendum. Um, the problem is, I think, we didn't really understand, we never have understood in the last two and a half years of what that actual result was. And I think it's been asked to carry far too great a burden um, and it's being held up as a, as a sort of as, as a buckling prop for for, for various um, um, thoughts about further further referendum uh, on the subject and mm. I think the problem is the essential problem was that it was a question it wasn't the fact that it was a close vote 
or that there were distortions and lies and all the rest of it told. I think the problem was it was a it was a flawed question because it didn't have a context. Mm. And now, um, without a context, it's extremely you know the, the value of the answer is limited. Well, let me put I this. Let me way, let me just wait a minute. Yeah, let me sure. just put this to you. Lucy Beans just written to us from St Ives. I did not vote in the dark, says Lucy. I've been waiting forty five years. I'm sixty now for Britain to leave the EU. I'd love us to leave with no deal. It will be difficult, like moving house. It will be a nightmare, but it'll be fine after a while. Project Fear should not win out. There should be no second referendum. Well, yes, I know. I understand that. I think a second referendum is, in a sense, it's a second best because at least we've got a bit more context now. But I think probably the best solution would be to take the edge off this and to have a advisory referendum, which is what the other one was supposed to be, and to have an advisory referendum which actually goes back to the people and asks us what we actually wanted and actually tries to get an understanding of what that result was. Well, that just sounds like... Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I mean, with respect, that does sound like going to the people for a second referendum. Mark, thank you. And I'm going to get Diane uh, Brass on because she's been waiting very patiently. Kyla, I know you're waiting. David, I know you're waiting. We'll try and squeeze you on. uh, Diana, what did you want to say? Well, can I just um, comment on the last speaker, mm-hmm. I consider it grossly insulting to the people that voted to leave the EU. Many of us are people um, who have lived through the development of the EU over decades, and we don't like it. I was teaching it in the 80s when Maastricht was under discussion. We had all the propaganda in school in favour of the development of the EU and the direction it's gone. And it's now making countries like Greece suffer. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Italian industry mm-hmm. is suffering at the hands of Germany. So, D- Diana, just because we're, at, we're running out of time, and I want to maybe fit Kyla on if I can, but you, you are saying that, look... It, Let's just go and let's go now and we'll sort it out. I think our tragedy has been that Theresa May was a Remainer and the people working with her have been Remainers like Ollie Robbins mm-hmm. and she's come up with a deal which puts all the cards in the hands of the EU and we're left with no opportunity other than to mm. leave. They sell us more than we sell them. OK, Diana. It's in their yeah. advantage to do a deal. OK, Diana, thank you very much indeed. Do you know what? I know how many of you have been waiting and I apologise. Uh, we are out of time. I Just uh, the last few seconds, I'll read a couple of tweets that have come in. The EU will not stop trading with the UK after Brexit. Why would they? There's too much money involved. And another one here. It's difficult to believe that people think the consequences of no deal Brexit is project fear. The consequences are so obvious. We are out of time. We will be talking about this no doubt next week. Till then, have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.